Hello, everybody, and welcome to the One Word Podcast. I am Pastor Iron Petrie, and I am alongside a very busy wife, Star Star Petrie. I was busy. Well, (laughs) welcome to another episode of the One Word Podcast, and we're so glad that you chose to take time out of your Friday to join us on this podcast. And we believe you chose well. Uh, This is going to be very good. It's going to be very enlightening. And uh, I'm glad to have my loved one, my love uh, with me. I was about to say my loved one. You are my loved (laughs) one. That's fine. My my love. Just roll with it. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, just got (laughs) to keep going. You know, I was just thinking, you know, on this podcast, every time I have you on the podcast, this table just gets real busy. Like there's stuff all over the place. And it's funny because when you're on here, I want to bring more stuff onto the table. It's like it's like weird. It's like a spirit. Like my phone, I will never have my phone. Gravitational pull. Gravitational all the stuff, the mics, the everything. You know, it's just. But that's women. They kind of they kind of bring they they make home everywhere they go. They just kind of have to nest. (laughs) Amen. But we're so glad once again to have you. We are going to talk about things that actually are. Uh, significant. We're not just going to be cracking jokes here. But um, we thank God for you and thank God for you joining us for this uh, particular podcast. We want to say right off the bat, if you have not subscribed or click the notification bell on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, to go ahead and do that if you would, if you've been following us, listening to us. Sometimes you can get in, in the process of listening to someone or following someone and you never even... Uh, click the notification bell or subscribed. And so if you have not subscribed to Christ Nations, we're trying to increase our subscribers. Man, it feels funny even saying that, but we are. And uh, they're growing kind of organically on their own over time. But if you have not subscribed, we ask that you do so. And we also ask that you share this podcast with your family, your friends, people you believe uh, would be blessed by this podcast and this episode. And so we're going to jump right into this. And um, Start our discussion so as not to uh, belabor the time. But first of all, before I say that, let me just uh, say to my my lovely wife: Is there anything you want to say? You you glad to be on the podcast I'm with me? Are you very happy? glad to be here and with I, all my things? Yeah, <laughs> I tell you, man, you got like a Bible on your phone. You got a Bible right there, and I have my Bible, guys. You know that nothing beats yeah the you know the physical. In your hand, pages turning. You gotta have. You know where I highlighted. I don't know the scripture. I just know what color I highlighted it. Boy, I tell you, saints don't know chapter and verse, but they know they know page. They know color. They know, yeah. But I tell you, but hey, so I wanted you to come on the podcast with me today because um, I wanted to have more of a discussion about a subject that we talk about. Uh, from time to time, in our own time at home. But um, I think it it's a discussion that I wanted to kind of take public because I think it's important um, for the times in which we live. And we're talking about culture today. Uh, you hear this word used a lot. People talk about culture all the time. We, we're talking about this culture, that culture, subcultures. And so this this word is tossed about a lot in discussion and in conversation. And some people even have Uh, a fidelity and loyalty to culture. Sometimes, if we're honest, sometimes we can't even be the type of Christians we need to be for conforming to culture because culture seems to have this higher rank of influence in our lives than sometimes even our faith does. And so it's important for us to understand culture, properly define it, properly contextualize it, and put it where it's supposed to be so that we can, as children of God, 
understand what Jesus was saying when he told us we would be in the world but not of it, Amen. right? And so it's important that we draw clear boundaries when it comes to our faith and culture and the culture we're living in. So now let me, let me give you a definition of culture, and I wanted to read this very standard definition because I think it gives us uh, some understanding here. It says the behaviors, this is culture, the behaviors and beliefs that arise from what is considered valuable in a society, a race, an era, era or space of time, an era of time, mm-hmm. etc. So the behaviors and beliefs that arise from what is considered valuable in a society, race, era, or etc. Now, this is important to know, to define culture, because sometimes we can talk about culture without ever defining it and not ever knowing what we're talking about. We right. just kind of, we talk about it almost like it's oxygen, like it's something that's all around us, but we never really give it definition, and this is why I wanted to do that. So we're talking about behavior, and we're talking about beliefs. Mm-hmm. But the, that behavior and belief arises from what is considered valuable. valuable. Right. And so culture truly is based on value. What is valued? And honestly, when a culture changes, what a society values changes. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is, this is the very essence of culture. It is what we value. And so a lot of people get involved in the behavior and the beliefs, and they don't understand they're stemming from a set of values, mm-hmm. right? They, they're just, they're caught up in the dress, they're caught up in the music, they're caught up in all of that thing, and they think, well, the culture, I'm a part of the culture, this culture or that culture, and they don't realize that all of the music, the dress, etc., all of the external things are, are, are growing out of a value system right. and something that is valued. So this is where it's important for believers to understand because we have the commandment from our Lord and Savior to not conform ourselves to the world. That world is not just the world we live in in terms of just the, the, the earth that we walk on. It's talking about them. Mm-hmm. It's talking about the arrangement, the world system, the world order, the, the, the temperament of the times, what shapes and moves us. So it tells us in Romans 12, uh, not to conform ourselves to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So you see very clearly there, it's talking about culture because it's telling me, don't conform yourself to the world's values but be transformed by new ones, mm-hmm. right? Be transformed by having new values, a new way of seeing, a new way of thinking, and therefore your values will determine your behavior and determine your beliefs. Right. And what we see today is, even though we know we're called as children of God to affect culture for Christ, what we are seeing is an attempt to affect culture while blending with it. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I, I see this a lot of times. I see where people are trying to, how, how do I say it? There's like a hybrid uh, approach to where we're trying to adopt things from the culture and yet still stay true to the kingdom. Right. 
And you can't do both. You can't have that type of mingled uh, seed, if you would. You can't have that type of uh, mingled approach to being a witness and a light of the world, Mm -hmm. right? You're going to have to, as the Scripture says, come out from among them and be separate. And this is the trick of the adversary in our times. We believe influence comes from mere merely infiltration. Yeah. Like if we if we go in, if we get among, that means influence. Mm-hmm. But scripture paints the portrait that our influence comes from distinction. Absolutely. A line of delineation, difference. So we so we got a problem here. So if we're trying to influence culture, then that means we're not going to be able to be a part of it. And see, and this is the difference because that's not how we think today. Mm-hmm. That's not what we're seeing today. What we're seeing is this idea that no, 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 no. We we have to embrace certain things. And so ultimately what you're seeing, and I think people, if we're all honest, we're seeing culture invade the church more than the church's values. Once again, we're talking about values when we're talking about culture, more than the church invading the culture. And once again, it's important that we keep the definition uh, solid. We're talking about values. Mm -hmm. Talking about values. So whichever value system has the greater influence uh, determines the culture that has the greatest influence. So if kingdom values are not influencing culture, but cultural values are influencing the church, then we're not, we're not being salt and light, right. right? And we have to be willing to be honest about that. We have to be willing to be honest about the fact that there's a lot of stuff in the body hmm. that looks like the world. There's a lot of things we do. Um, and like I said, we have to realize the way we dress, the way we, uh, you know, deport ourselves, the way we act, the language we use, it may come across as though, well, we're just trying to be relevant. But all of those external things that in and of themselves may seem benign are growing out of a value system. Right. And those external things are are okay, but again, it goes to what you're putting the value on, On, right? If you're putting the spotlight on how much you look like mm-hmm. what's out there, yeah. then there's a problem because we shouldn't be spotlighting ourselves anyway. We no, should be pointing no, no. people to Jesus. Though. Absolutely. And so we find ourselves in this time, like I say, in this this era in which we are, I think we're struggling because identity-wise, Satan is always attacking the identity of the child of God. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, he showed us that in, in Matthew chapter 4 when he came at Jesus, if you be yes, the son of God. Mm-hmm. It is always going to be an attack on identity. It's always going to be an attack on trying to steal who you are in him, mm-hmm. right? And so, But he does it very subtle. It's very little subtle ways that he goes about shaping and changing and trying to steal the identity of the church mm-hmm. because a lot of times we... We, we're one of the ways, let me just get to this. 
<laughs> let me just make it make it plain, preacher. Let me let me get to this because I think one of the ways that Satan has done this is through this word we call relevant. We use this word, oh my gosh, we use the word relevant so much that I get tired of hearing it. <laughs> because relevant, what does it mean? Once again, we have to define things. Relevance means the condition of being relevant or connected with the matter at hand. Synonyms for relevant mean pertinent, suitable, appropriate. Something that is apropos, something that is suitable, something that speaks to the issue, Mm -hmm. right? So if that be the case, and that is, relevance can be defined in practical sense to give an example if I have a broken arm, right, mm-hmm. uh, what is relevant, what is pertinent, suitable, and appropriate for me if my arm is broken? Probably not a cough drop. Not a cough drop. Not at all. A cast would be appropriate. Cast would be but appropriate. in terms of a person, an orthopedic doctor, mm-hmm. a physician, yeah. that person would be relevant to me. Mm-hmm. Now, here's where we, we get in trouble. I don't care if that orthopedic surgeon has ever broken his or her arm before. Hmm. What I care about is whether or not they are competent enough in their knowledge about my skeleton to get this bone reset and get me on the process of healing. Amen. That's all I care about. Yeah. That's, that's relevant. If they've broken their arm before, that means they can relate we sometimes <laughs> misconstrue relating with relevance. So we try to we we try to be like or liked mm-hmm. by saying, "Oh, I've been there before. Oh, I've done this before." And our appeal to the world and to the culture is to try to let them see that we're just like them. Right? So we want to be able to relate But sometimes if you're not careful about putting an emphasis on relating, you lose relevance. Because what is relevant for a sinful culture is Jesus. Mm -hmm. What's relevant is the truth. What's relevant for a sinful culture is holiness. That's what's relevant. That's pertinent. That's apropos. So whenever I approach the culture, I'm approaching the culture with the answer it needs. I'm not approaching the culture to come across as though I can relate, right? It's okay to relate, not, not knocking being able to relate. But sometimes we tip, well, we go over into relating and we forget relevant. Because yeah. what's relevant is always the truth. And then the question has to be asked, when is Jesus not relevant? When is truth not relevant? Yeah. When is the Bible not relevant? Never. 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 In any generation, in any time, that's why it's eternal. Eternal means it never ages. Mm -hmm. It never ages out of its appropriateness. But it's not valued. Hmm. And that's why we 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 relate (laughs) versus trying to give. Exactly. Exactly. And so and so we have to realize what we have then. That was good. Say that again. 
then it's, it's not valued. The truth is not valued. It's so, not valued. So we seek to relate. So we seek to relate. So that we can just. But should we do that? Even if it's not valued, we we don't switch. We don't change up. Well, it does if if we're looking for relation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. The truth doesn't have to be. The truth, by its own definition, is going to be somewhat adversarial. I mean, it it draws lines. Yeah. Right. It, it, it does. puts someone on one side put someone on another side and that's what truth does so relating though makes it you know i empathize i sympathize i i'm like you i see you mm-hmm. and you know we can get along with that and truth never has to enter in because you know we're busy relating wow so we elevate empathy oh no doubt relating to this like sacrosanct level yeah, it is morality empathy is morality yeah, like because I feel you mm-hmm. and I understand you mm-hmm. and I accept and, and all of that, that is elevated to the point of being like, we don't need truth now. We don't need truth. <laughs> because, because we have empathy. Absolutely. And we have sympathy to one another. We have compassion. And see, this is what, and that's what I'm talking about in terms of, error, of erring on the side of relating mm-hmm. and losing relevance. And it's almost as though our pursuit of relevance is making us irrelevant. Yeah. Like we're 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 so geek because we we won't define these things. We just we just use them like magic words. Some words get they get loose in the culture and people just use them and don't never define. They don't even know what they mean. They're just using them, mm-hmm. right? And so we we run around pursuing this relevance to the culture and we become irrelevant and there is less change. Yeah. The change happens on our part as the as the children of God. You see a lot of Christians changing, right, instead of the culture changing. Well, that familiarity breeds contempt, right? Mm. People, I relate, therefore I become familiar, and the more familiar I am to you, you know, the less appreciation I have for what it is that you bring to the table because, again, you and I are the same. Mm. There's, no, there's no difference. There's no, there's difference. no contrast. And that's, the, and that's the thing, like I said, that has to be understood the church has its influence in difference. Mm-hmm. People should be able to look at the body, and the body and the members thereof do not look like what they see in the world. Mm-hmm. They don't act like what they see in the world. Yeah. They, don't, they don't even approach situations the same way. Yeah. We are different, and we're supposed to be different, and it's in that difference that we have influence. But Satan has deceived us in the believing the influence comes with sameness. Mm-hmm. It comes with being more like, being closer to. And, and this is what we have to, to examine here because I feel like if we're not careful and if we lose every ounce of our distinction, you know, faith is one of those things. I, I, rem- I remember reading um, Dalrymple's book on, um, I think it was Life at the Bottom, mm-hmm. and he has a chapter in his book fascinating book man he has a chapter in his book uh on faith and he himself doesn't you know project himself as a you know as a person of faith so much but he has respect for it and he has respect for people who believe in in the church and he says uh in that chapter he calls it the heart of a heartless world mm-hmm. and he talks about how that if faith is lost it's lost for good yeah like if 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 we if we seed ground it won't just be seated to be retaken later. It's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. 
You know, and a lot of times we don't understand in this this spiritual warfare that we're engaged in, the Christian, our influence comes from really standing our ground. But that is not the way most believers talk. They think it's all in compromise and empathy and sympathy. And, and of course, we have compassion for people. But my compassion is the fact that I see you in a state that I once was in, mm-hmm. that I know where that ends. <laughs> and so my compassion compels me to stand on truth. My compassion compels me to be non-compromising. My compassion compels me to hold the line Mm -hmm. because I know the bridge is out ahead. Mm -hmm. So you better stop. Right. And so my compassion doesn't make me hedge on the truth. It makes me stand on the truth more firm. You know, and that's and that's one of the things that we we have to understand. I want I want to read something here. Uh, This this was uh, a statement that was made. Uh, by Dean Ung, or Ing, I forget how they, they pronounce his, his last name. And he said this, he says, He who marries the spirit of the age, or you could say the culture, soon becomes a widower. <laughs> yeah. Because of the change, right? Yeah. So the attempt at cultural relevance makes for a never-ending dance with trends and fads, both aesthetic and philosophical. So if I'm going to be a person who marries the culture, you're going to see me always shifting because of the fads that are both aesthetic, that is the way I look, the way I present myself, and philosophical, what I believe. And this is so antithetical to the scripture because the word of God, Paul charges Timothy, and he tells him, preach the word. Mm -hmm. Be instant in season out of season, mm-hmm. right? Now, in season, in Kairos, that is in time, where there's a season where perhaps maybe he's saying to Timothy, you're heard, mm-hmm. but then there will be a season where you're not. And then he goes on to talk to Timothy about how the time is coming when men will not endure sound doctrine. They won't hold themselves to sound doctrine, but they're going to heap to themselves teachers after their own lust, having itching ears. And he tells him about all of the shift and the change in the culture that's going to take place around truth. But he tells him, you be instant in season and out of season. When you look that up and you you study it, it means be on your mark. Hmm. No matter the shift and change around you, stand on your mark. Now, that's completely opposite of the way in which we approach ministry today in the culture. Hmm. Because in the culture today... It's almost as though we're all about survival. We feel like if we don't shift and change, we won't survive. No, we won't survive if we shift and change. Hmm. You see, it's the, the kingdom of God is not like this world. You, you, can't, you can't sit there and follow philosophy and follow the, the ideas of men that, give, that are given to us from the halls of academia and think that's the way we're going to uh, promote the kingdom. No, the the promotion of the kingdom is done God's way, by his spirit, by his power, and it's always opposite of the world system and the way the world thinks and the world works. And so if we shift and change, that's how you lose influence. Mm -hmm. You gain influence by standing on your mark irregardless or regardless of the shift and change. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You see, and, and this is one of the challenges that we have because... If you're thinking about you, though, 
and you're thinking about yourself, you feel like you've gotta you've gotta do all of the shifting and the changing. So mm-hmm. you have a church that's concerned about innovation and changing this and shifting paradigms and rethinking this. I think we need to rethink this. We're, that's one of our favorite words. Once again, it's one of those magic words, words that we don't really define or really talk about. We just yeah. we just use it. <laughs> we've got to rethink this and we gotta rethink that. Oh, I've been rethinking this and and I'm evolving on that and I'm I'm evolving on this. And we're, we're doing all of these things in an attempt to survive the shift and the instability of culture. Yeah. Like, the dean, like the dean says, you're soon going to be a widower if you marry it because it's going to always be shifting and changing. Yeah. And so we're always about surviving it. So we feel like, oh, I've got to shift this and I've got to shift that. Oh, now this is happening, so we've got to shift to this. No, that's how you lose influence. That's how you become obsolete. So I was going to say, so it's like the church going out and taking a chisel or some type of grinder to the foundation, right? We were first, we were on solid ground. We were on truth. Yeah. And then we say, well, no, but there really is some credence to my truth. Mm -hmm. And so now we have to sit there and grind that stone into a million pieces to support everybody's brand of truth. Yeah. And eventually there is no stability. There is no... There's no anything because we're so busy trying to afford everyone some stature by giving them a little pebble. Well, here's your little pebble of truth, and then you get your two pebbles of truth. (laughs) And if we build on that, surely, surely, because we've given some type of, you know, Mm -hmm. value to your truth, you'll stay with us. We'll be able to build God's church on that. And he says, no, that's not going to work. The only cornerstone you have is Christ. So you might as well just, you know, might as well just accept that and say that's yeah, enough. That's it. Instead of trying to go out to the world and say, no, we'll make room for you too. Because like mm. I said, what we don't understand mm. is we end up going out to dig and uproot our own foundation. Yeah. And really, like you always say, you know, once, once that dam gets uh, a hit, you know, once it takes a hit, once that's there's it. a hole... Where do, you, where do you tell that water to go? How do you control that? And so I'm going to jump into this. Yeah. But this is the issue with this whole LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. No, okay. it's the truth. Yeah. We, we become very open and empathetic, and we want to say, well, we want them in our churches. We want them to be there. And, and we do. Yeah. But you come to be changed by and through the power that comes through the born-again experience. Yes. And that should be the expectation of anyone who comes into our church. Yeah. Right? But you don't come in to stay the same and then tell us that now we have to make it acceptable and comfortable for you to be with us because you're not with us. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we have a way. We have a way. So if you're going to come in, here's here's what needs to happen. And that's the problem that the church, I think, isn't hasn't been wise enough to see is that in this in this age of affirmation validation yes everybody seems to be getting affirmed and validated except for the believer <laughs> yeah the christian the christian we can affirm and validate this community we can affirm and validate and validate uh, this religion. We can affirm and validate this belief. We can affirm and validate this philosophy. But those Christians, they really need to rethink mm-hmm. 
They need to evolve. Yeah. There is there is the pressure put upon the church to do all of the shape shifting to accommodate. But there are no, there is no pressure putting put on anybody else in culture to accommodate the faith, mm-hmm. right? And this is what believers don't understand. So people will get up in their pulpits and on their platforms, and they will capitulate, yeah. and they will genuflect, and they'll bow over, it, not realizing you're not showing compassion, no, you're not showing love. You're not expressing it because you're, you're expressing something that isn't married to truth. And love has an unbreakable marriage to truth. Amen. It will not leave truth. It doesn't leave truth for any reason, right? And so whenever we start trying to express this compassion and empathy and sympathy apart from truth, we're now into survival for ourselves, we're not into the promotion and advancement of the kingdom. Yeah. And what you said is so powerful and so true because the fact of the matter is, if you are a person, uh, let's say, as a believer, we believe in the biblical construct and text of marriage, mm-hmm. man and woman. Now, if you say to me, no, that's not it and you want to move the line, Mm -hmm. where else now do you reapply the line? Absolutely. You can't can't remove it and then arbitrarily pick another spot. Mm -hmm. Like, after what letter do you put the line? Mm -hmm. Who becomes the the umpire to say that's far enough? That's far enough. That's as far as we're going. That's as far as we're going. And that's what people don't understand about standing up for biblical principle and biblical law because God has said it in his wisdom. And and this is the thing, man. Let me say this. One of the things that has to be understood when it comes to our Father God is that what God has ordained— does not just come from his authority to ordain it. Mm-hmm. In other words, God doesn't just say, this is right, and you walk in it because he said it's right solely based upon his authority. Now, his authority is a part of it. So we, we, we walk around and we submit to the word of God <clears throat> purely out of a fear and awe of the authority of God. Mm-hmm. But what most of the time we are ignorant of is that <clears throat> God saying something is right or wrong is not just a statement of his authority, but it's also an expression of his omniscience. Amen. So he's not just saying yay and nay out of authority. He's saying yay and nay out of his intelligence. Mm-hmm. He knows what should be and what shouldn't. And when he says something, he has seen every possible scenario that could transpire Mm -hmm. as a result of it being any other way than the way he said it. So his omniscience informs his command as much as his authority is a part of his command. And this is what we don't understand. When God says man and woman, omniscience made that decision. Right. 
So when you step outside of that in your limited intelligence, in your short-sightedness, mm -hmm. you don't see what the father saw when he said, stay in this boundary. Yeah. And so we have a world that thinks itself smarter than all knowledge. Yeah. Right? Sure. And so we find ourselves violating not just his authority, we're violating his intelligence, we're violating his wisdom, we're violating his know, mm -hmm. his knowledge. And his love for us, and period. all of that. All of That's that. where I was going. And <laughs> all of that, that authority and all of that omniscience is all motivated by the, the fact he's love. Absolutely. So, he, so he, he's saying what he's saying because he knows. Yeah. And because he loves. And so we have to be respectful of that as his children and stand our ground on that. Yeah. And so it is a departure from love mm. to not stand on that because love gave the standard. Absolutely. So when I leave the standard, I leave love. Absolutely. No matter how I feel, because mm -hmm. I might feel compassionate. I might feel feel empathetic. I might feel just like a great person, a wonderful citizen, but if I've left God's standard and God is love, I've left love. Amen. I am now into serving myself. Mm -hmm. I'm now into trying to endear myself to the culture. Yes. I'm now in trying to garner the like and the love of people. No, because if, if I'm going to stay with love, I'm going to stay with the standard love set. Amen. Because and that's that's simple, yeah. right? And it's plain. But Satan likes to create a real deception around these things and try to make them yeah, another magic word. The word nuance. Yeah. He tries. <laughs> I know, right? It just it just it, it, we don't like the word nuance because people use it so much. And sometimes when people say things are nuanced, it's just that they don't want to deal with the standard. That really governs the subject under discussion. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically all it is. It ain't nuanced. You just don't want to submit. You don't want to agree with the truth. That's all it is. And so the devil tries to create this idea of nuance and this idea that things are very much uh, difficult to get a handle on. Yeah. And they're not. Yeah. Like you bring up uh, homosexuality and all of the things. These things are old. None of this is new. Right. We talk about subject matter today like it's brand new to us, yeah. and it's not. These things are old. They are ancient. They are established. We don't, we don't have to sit here and act new about things that are old. Amen. So now I wanted to bring this up before we close because this is important. So how does the devil do this? And uh, this is something that I want to give to you. Because this is important for people to know as they understand culture, navigate the culture we live in, navigate the world we live in, and know how they should live. <clears throat> the Bible says to us, Proverbs 18 and 20 and 21, death and life is in the power of the tongue. Scripture gives the mouth ultimate authority for us in our lives. Not only does it say death and life is in the power of the tongue, we go on to find out in Romans chapter 10 that salvation is by faith in the heart, confession with the mouth. So the tongue is involved in salvation. We see innumerable scriptures talking about the mouth as it relates to our well-being, our health. The Bible even says, he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his speech from guile, from speaking guile. Right. So our words play a role in everything in life. And then 
In the book of James, James goes even further, and James begins to highlight these same things. And I want to read this to you because it's important for you to, to hear it with your own ears, even though you probably know it. He says, For in many things, in verse 2 of chapter 3 of James, we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that we may obey that they may obey us and we turn about their whole body. Now he's going to go on to talk about a ship and its helm. He's going to go on to talk about the tongue setting on fire the course of nature. And so he's just reiterating and emphasizing the authority of the tongue as it pertains to us in this world. But I love this example he uses, this analogy, this insight by talking about a bit being put in a horse's mouth, saying if we want to control the horse, we put some in his mouth. So because of the authority of the tongue, the way that Satan changes, affects, controls, and influences culture is by putting things in our mouths. Now I want you to hear me, and I want you to hear me clearly. Satan uses every avenue of the world system to put a bit in our mouth. And if he can get a bit, through the analogy, through the example, in our mouths, he can turn us wherever he wants us. And so culture is shifted and changed first through language. Through language. Let me read you something that I found very fascinating. And this came from a gentleman who was a, uh, he was a, uh, I believe he was a Scottish uh, uh, gentleman. Uh, let, me, let me make sure I find it here. Uh, do, 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 do. I may have it in the, have the wrong, uh, let me see. No, I just had it. But it's Andrew Fletcher. And it's a statement that um, I want to make sure that I read to you because you need to hear it. <clears throat> oh, I'm gonna have to say something to the people while I find this, sweetheart. Because I'm <laughs> I got a I had it with me just a minute ago and then I, I lost it in some kind of way. Yeah, I don't know what to say. We're just waiting on you, Pastor. Got it. <laughs> See? Perfect. Okay. This is my podcast. You know you can do what you want to. <laughs> but Andrew Fletcher was a Scottish politician, right? And he said he made this statement. He says if a man were permitted to make all the ballads, that means music, songs, right? He need not care who should make the laws of a nation. Hmm. If a man were permitted to make all the ballads, he need not care who should make the laws of a nation. And this excerpt from the same place, I got this excerpt from there as well. It says, and we find that most of the ancient legislators thought that they could not well reform the manners of any city without the help of a lyric and sometimes of a dramatic poet. Hmm. So a relationship between politician and the arts. Absolutely. Now, examining the statement of Andrew Fletcher it gives us some insight into what we're talking about here when it comes to shifting and changing a culture. Satan uses the art and the arts to put a bit in our mouths. He uses mass media. 
music, movies, all of the Hollywood structure, all of these things, not so much sports, because sports is competitive. People just get out and they play. Mm -hmm. But the arts are used to shift and change culture because it is through the arts that Satan is able to control the language. And so he seeks to put a bit, if you would, in the mouth of society. So people walk around quoting the lyrics from music, quoting what they read uh, or what they saw in the movie, talking about what they saw in the news, and our language becomes full of this stuff. This is all we talk about 24-7, all the time. Then even some of the some of the phrases we use, some of the language that shifts and changes and all the time. And these things, people don't realize, these are things Satan is using to shift the culture. Because you cannot shift a society of human beings without putting something in their mouth. Hmm. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. For us as human beings, that is what it is. And so if you're going to shift us, move us, change us, get us to accept certain things, you're going to have to put something in our mouth. You're going to have to get us to talk death, murder, salacious, sexualized, we're going to have to, our language is going to have to become perverse in order for perversion to become pervasive. And so if you look at the culture around us, this is why language is so important. We don't understand that right under our noses, we're watching spiritual law played out, Sure. right? And so when you're watching your television and you're watching movies and you're listening to music, and this is why I talk to people, especially young people, about listening to secular music. Uh, because people don't understand. They, they're always trying to think about heaven and hell. Whenever they think about doing stuff, they're thinking about heaven and hell. What's going to send me <laughs> to hell? How am I going to get into heaven? And there's, there are more things at stake than just eternal destination. There is also the quality of the journey between, Amen. right? You don't want to go to hell. No doubt, <laughs> no doubt about that. And you definitely want to go to heaven. But you need to be thinking about more than just that. That music has an impact upon the quality of life you're living because it's putting something in your mouth. Mm-hmm. It's putting something in your mouth. It is no, it is no uh, coincidence that there was a turn at the end of the 80s, and I'll just use one aspect. This is one small aspect. This isn't total, just a small aspect. Uh, at the turn of at the end of the 80s, beginning of the 90s, rap music took a very violent turn in language, right? It was mm-hmm. now gangster rap. It went from people just trying to be creative. We went from LL Cool J walking around with a boombox talking about I'm bad with no shirt on and, <laughs> and talking about that and talking to, and run DMC talking about their Adidas and everything else mm-hmm. to where we started talking about shooting, drive-bys, killing, calling women out of their names. We started talking about things that were just, it was so rapacious, salacious, and perverse. Now, it is no coincidence that that happened. That was Satan's attempt to to put a bit in a community's mouth. And once he got that bit in their mouth, he could now turn them in the direction he wanted them. Mm -hmm. This always happens. It's happened throughout all of society. Likewise, when some uh, positive revolution is afoot and going to take place, God raises somebody up that puts something in the people's mouths. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So everything in culture, and this is something to watch out for. When I sit back knowing this truth and this principle, I know what's going to happen in a person's life individually, 
what's going to happen in a community collectively, what's going to happen in a nation by what's controlling the language, what's coming out of our mouths, because that's where we're headed. And so it would behoove the church to stand its ground on eternal principle of God's word to make sure we are putting and presenting this bit into the mouth of society. Because if God's word doesn't get in our mouth, if God's word doesn't stay in our mouth, then God will have a limited influence in the culture. You know, we, <laughs> we, we sit back and we think God's going to do something just apart from us. Well, he wouldn't have called us his body if he was going to do something apart from us. He doesn't plan to do something apart from us. He is going to do something through us and with us as co-laborers together with him. And so the church has to understand this responsibility so that when it comes to culture, we understand, come out from among them and be ye separate. Stand on the standard that love has set and keep God's word in your mouth. Because that is the only hope we have in terms of stemming our culture and pulling it back toward the kingdom of God. Now, I pray that in this conversation, we've said something that, that really has opened your eyes to understand how we should navigate in this culture and how we should navigate in this world. Because God indeed wants to use us as salt and light. He's called us that. He said we are salt and light. So if we don't shine... Man, the world has no hope. Hmm. <laughs> we, we stumble around in darkness. We have to be salt. We have to be light. And in order to do so, we have to stay loyal to the kingdom and loyal to his standard and his truth. And so it has been my desire to just minister to this, this to you because this was on my heart. Like I said, we talk about these things ourselves in our home. But to bring this conversation to the public because we've got to stop dancing around things we have clarity about. Amen. <laughs> There's no reason for that. There's no reason for it at all. Stand on it. Stand your ground. Put your big boy and big girl pants on as believers and stand your ground. In more than your pants, put your armor on <laughs> and stand on what God has said. And that's where we find our greatest influence will be for this culture. So until next time, we love you guys. God bless you. Share this with your family. Share this with your friends. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next Friday right here at the same time on the One Word Podcast.